Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. All right, I am going to read our scripture. I'm going to turn it. Let me see. Can I turn it this way, Lindsay? Nope, I can't. I'm going to make it a little big because I'm zooming it. There we go. Because I grabbed sunglasses instead of reading glasses today. Because, you know, that is how special I am. All right. Um, It comes from Philippians uh, chapter 2, 3 through 11. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think it equally of he did not think of think of it equally to be with to be the same as God but something to cling to instead he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form he humbled himself in obedience to God and died in criminals, a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to be, the, to be the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. Do I say something after I say that? There's another page. There's another page. I can't swipe, Lindsay. There we go. I'm going to read some more. (laughs) Um, Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. This now is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You probably won't ask me to do that no more. (laughs) next week next week is happening hi how are you I'm Lindsay I'm the pastor here it's good to be with you go Vols yeah I told someone uh, last night we were watching with some friends and I made an announcement at the beginning that we were a basketball family and then by the end we were a football family (laughs) again was anyone there yeah one only one person and you came today Dave gets extra points in heaven we don't believe in that, but sounds good. Um, uh, yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. Uh, I drank matcha this week. Does anyone know what that is? I mean, I'm sure you know. I don't know. It's grass, and I'm allergic to grass, and so I sound like this. So I'm so sorry for my voice. Um, also, if you haven't tried matcha and you like fresh mowed grass, then get yourself some. It is $8 at Starbucks, so... Um, $8 to sound like this in front of a whole crowd. It's a delight. Uh, let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, I, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence. 
We believe you're here. Uh, we ask that you, or I ask that you would wake us up to your presence, that we would see what you're doing in this room, that we would see what you're doing in us, and that you would give us the courage to join it. Thank you for who you are. Thank you um, for who you are to me. And I just, I don't know, I pray in these next few minutes that um, you would, I don't even know the right word, that you would overwhelm us or baptize us with, with like this, just immerse us with an experience of you, with um, your love for us. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, so during the COVID quarantine, I probably, like you, ran out of things to watch on Netflix. Did you watch all of Netflix alongside me? I honestly still feel like that. I'm like, oh, no, I already, I've already watched everything on here. Um, now I'm at the point where the things that it suggests to me are all in other languages. So it's like, that's probably too much TV over the last few years. But um, in this lazy haze of like, I, I felt like I'd watched everything. Um, this show called Drive to Survive came on as like the next thing you should watch. I hear some woos. Have you watched it? Has anybody watched it? <laughs> um, sorry. Um, and I guess, okay, on your Netflix, does it do this thing where you like, I guess, I don't know, move the thing on the thing and then the preview just starts before you have permission to watch it? Yeah. Okay. So I guess I just got sucked into the preview. Um, and it's a, it's a show about driving race cars. And if you know me very well, then, then you would probably make uh, what I would think is a very safe assumption that um, I am not the kind of person who would be into driving race cars. Like, that's just not really me. That's not things I'm interested in. No offense to all of you NASCAR fans out there, but watching people drive in a circle to me feels like Dante's first circle of hell, the, the, the limbo that you can't ever get out of. That's, that's my assessment of NASCAR. Um, but I'm bored. I've watched all of Netflix. And so I end up watching this show and I don't just watch an episode of this show. I watch all of it. Every episode, season one, Season two, season three, I think, I can't remember. I've, I, I don't, and then I don't just watch the show. I get into it, like into it. Like Daniel uh, would come in and I'm like, you will not believe what happened three years ago in this race. You know, and he's like, I, I won't. And who are you? And I have so many questions. Um, but I, and so I don't just get into the show. I then also get into Formula One racing, which is what the show's about. I get into Formula One racing to the point that I am Googling statistics. What you guys do with the balls, I am doing with a race car. A race car thing that I've never used. And then I start watching races. And then I join not one, but two nerdy group texts about race cars. I am, I am in. I love this. Like, I truly love it. I share the memes. I share the stats. I do all of it. I, I love it. There's a few reasons for this. Um, for the, the, and, and I know who you are, you nerds out there. Most of you are on my group text. Um, but, and you, you will get this. There's a few reasons that Formula One to me is different than anything else I've watched. Um, the first is this. It's not just driving in circles. It's driving in interesting circles. And that's, that's very important. They have some curves and a hill or two. Um, here's the second reason I love it. There are only 20 people on planet Earth who drive Formula One cars. 
Now, technically, it's 22 this season, so don't, like, send me a hate email if you are a nerd. But, um, but I don't have time to explain all that. So there's 20. There are, I checked yesterday, according to Google, yesterday, there are 7.78 billion people on planet Earth. 20 of them drive Formula One. That is elite in a way that I am embarrassed to love, but it is also a statistical anomaly. This, it's so fascinating to me, only 20 people. And then here's the third reason that I love uh, Formula One. Uh, every team, there are 10 teams and only 10 teams, and they won't let America in. That's super fascinating to me because America gets to do everything, right? So it's fun and when it's like, why won't they let us? Um, you should watch the show. Um, but anyway, there, there are 10 teams. Every team has two drivers. And for those two drivers, th- these teams are supported uh, with anywhere from 300 to 1,200, depending on how good and rich the team is, employees that make this happen. Like, there are engineers and mechanics and statisticians and all kinds of people from all over the world that make this thing happen. It is like STEM come to life. Like, you went to school and you were like, why will I ever need this math or this science? To drive a race car. That's why. That's exactly why. This summer, I was watching it at the beach with some friends, and uh, Julie Harris called her husband and said I was sitting on a couch eating uh, Slim Jims watching NASCAR. That is not what this is. This is science come to life and math come to life. It is so good, and it is so nerdy. Um, but something happened this, this year. I really could keep talking about this, but I will stop for your sake. Um, uh, but something happened this year that I can't uh, quit thinking about. Uh, there is a guy, a, a race car driver uh, named Sebastian Vettel. He's a Formula One driver. He's German, and he's, he's like one of the goats. He's like one of the, the greatest of all time uh, race car drivers. In fact, statistically, he is the third best race car, uh, Formula One driver uh, to ever be. So he's like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or the like Ty Cobb or Barry Bonds or um, I don't know, Queen or uh, Picasso or whoever is third best in your favorite thing. Um, that's what he is. Uh, he, is the th- he is the third winningest F1 driver over the 70 years of Formula One. He's incredible. He is also the youngest person to win a world championship. Uh, and then he went on to win three consecutively. If you're not into it, you don't. It's like four Super Bowls in a row is a very big deal, right? He won four Super Bowls on his own. No one could beat him for four years. It was insane. He's phenomenal, but he's retiring this year. And this is the part I can't quit thinking about. Lots of setup for this. Um, In in my lifetime, I have uh, watched people retire from things. And like on the news, you know, seen retirement speeches uh, from men and women. Heck, in my lifetime, I've seen uh, Brett Favre and Tom Brady retire multiple times. You know, I've seen seen these retirement speeches, but I have never, ever seen one like Sebastian Vettel's. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, In his announcement, he said, he was retiring and he started the usual way of like, I love this board and I need to thank some people. But then very quickly, he did the weirdest thing and he transitions in his speech and then he just starts talking about who he is. It was so weird. I want to read it. I want to read some of it to you. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he's like, love the sport, want to thank some people. And then he just goes, who am I? And it's like, oh, I don't know. And he says this, who am I? I'm Sebastian. I'm the father of three children and husband to a wonderful woman. I'm curious and easily fascinated by passionate or skilled people. I love being outside. 
I love nature and its wonders. I'm stubborn and impatient. I can be really annoying. I like to make people laugh. I like chocolate and the smell of fresh bread. His retirement speech. My favorite color is blue. I believe in change and progress and that every little bit makes a difference. There's more. I, I, I won't read the whole thing. But I, again, I've never seen anything like it. It almost became like a dating ad in the middle. In the middle. But it was, it was just so curious how he's retiring, but he spends all this time uh, listing who he is. For, for 15 years, the world has only known Sebastian Vettel as one thing. Sebastian Vettel, Formula One driver. But in this moment, he took the time to list dozens of other things about himself, dozens of things, none of which had anything to do with Formula One. It was honestly mesmerizing. This man, he sat in front of a, cam- a camera and he, and he said to the world, you have only known me as this one thing, but I'm someone beyond the box that I've been living in. I'm a person beyond this one thing. It was powerful to me. And maybe because I turned 40 this summer and there's something that happens like naturally when you have a milestone birthday that you become sort of introspective. And so the question that he's asking in front of the, or answering in front of the world is a question I've been asking a lot in a deep level in my own life for the last few months. Who am I? What do I like? What do I want? Who am I? Sometimes that's a really scary question to ask, and and sometimes it's a really exciting one. But I think it's always an important one. Who am I? Who are you? Is the question that we have been uh, considering and playing with and, and diving deeply in with Jesus for the last 11 weeks. Uh, 11 weeks. We have spent 11 weeks talking about Jesus. A a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this moment uh, when Jesus, he had just uh, fed a huge crowd of people, and then he walks on the water in the boat, and then remember, he goes to the kind of the other side, and and the crowd has followed him to the other side, and they like want to make him their king, and they're fired up about him, and then he gives this speech, and he freaks them all out because he tells them to eat his body and drink his blood. You remember that? If you're new with us, welcome. We uh, talk about these things. Um, So there's this moment, and he weirds out this whole crowd. And then right after that moment, uh, the crowd's leaving, and they're like, that was crazy. That was so weird. And and Jesus, he looks at his disciples, and he was like, who do people say that I am? Like, why why was that so shocking? Who who do people say that I am? And and they answer him. They say, "Um, some people say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, or, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus turns the question on them, and he says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? That's the question we've been asking for weeks. Who is Jesus? I don't um, remember a a time in my lifetime when that question has ever been so important. Uh, I'm not saying that there haven't been other moments. It's just I can't really remember uh, any moments quite like the cultural moment that we're living in right now. And I don't say this like to be scary or shocking. It's just, it's just, this is a season of life where a whole lot of people are going on social media or the news, or they're running for office and, and they hold Bibles and they talk about Jesus often really, really loudly. And then they say things that don't really sound anything like Jesus. Have you experienced this too? The reason that we have spent 11 weeks talking about Jesus is because the way people are answering that question very publicly right now is honestly pretty bonkers. 
It's nuts. When Jesus uh, looks at his disciples and he says, who do you say that I am? Peter, he blurts out the answer first because he always does. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. At this point in the scriptures, no one has said anything like this. Uh, uh, it's a bigger moment than we have time for today. But, but Peter, who is often bonkers, he answers confidently. You are Christ, son of the living God. And he can do that because he has put himself in close proximity with Jesus. He has been surprised by him, comforted by him, confused by him, confident in him. He's, he's, he's questioned him. He has learned who Jesus is uh, and, and, why, uh, and who he isn't by being with him. And, and if you take anything out of the last 11 weeks, I hope you take this. I don't know that there's any way to know Jesus other than to be with him, to put yourself in close proximity to him, not to people talking about him, though that's fine sometimes, but to actually put yourself in close proximity to him. Uh, for the last 11 weeks, uh, at the beginning of the service, uh, uh, some of you have been here. We start at 10 o'clock, by the way. Um, <laughs> we've been, I'm just kidding. We've been, we've been doing the same call to worship every single week. Uh, and listen, it's clunky, right? If you've been here, it is so clunky. Like we did it the first week and I was like, oh, that's not going to work. Like it's one thing when I'm like typing prayers on my computer and then we say them out loud and it's like, oh, I don't think a group of people are able to read this. You know, that's been one of, that's been honestly our call to worship uh, for the last little while. But, um, but I, I normally would change it, but I didn't change it because I thought we really needed this one. It was so important to me that every single week, uh, no matter how clunky it was, that we all together as a group declared the words that Tracy read from our text today. Jesus, who being in the very nature of, of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. It was important for us to talk together, to read together about Jesus, who who refused to grasp for equality with God, but, but who emptied himself and took on the nakedness of being human and the humility of the cross. Jesus, who is like us, and yet he didn't grasp or reach beyond his humanity, but instead took on and accepted the limitations of what it means to be human. And didn't cling to the advantage of his status. He didn't overreach. He emptied himself. Jesus, who is like us, but who is also like God. He's the one, the only one in all of time who God ever uh, gave his own name to. Jesus, who trusted that he, that he didn't have to grab beyond his humanness in order to grasp his godness. Because it was God himself who would exalt him to become the place of highest honor. He didn't put him in a place of highest honor. Jesus became the place of highest honor. Where no system and no power created by man could warp or discredit his true identity. But instead, knees would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That at the name of Jesus, who was given God's own name, tongues would declare the answer to the question, who are you, is Lord. Very God of very God. And clunky as it was, I stood in the back uh, pretty much every single week. And I prayed that it would take root in us. That it would become like dust uh, covering us. That we would be instilled with Jesus, the humble king who is like us and who is like God. 
And that as he became rooted in us more uh, deeper and more full in us, that we would begin to see through him what God was really like. That Jesus, as, as the Nicene Creed says, who is God of God and light of light, very God of very God, would take root in us, exposing us to more of God and more of the Spirit. And so my hope has been that as we put ourselves in close proximity with Jesus, we found a deep knowing of who he is. And that in that knowing, we would uh, wake up uh, in new ways to not just what that means, but also what that means about us and what, who that means we are. So here's what I want to do with the rest of our time today. We're going to do something a little uh, bit different. It's something we do uh, from time to time around here. But I want to kind of turn the tables and um, uh, let you all do some of the work uh, today. Uh, again, we do things uh, like this pretty frequently around here because we believe deeply and often quite annoyingly uh, about uh, in the process of discovery here at Vineyard Springbrook. Um, I've said, uh, I don't know, a number of times on stage that I was so disillusioned with the church growing up because sometimes it felt like all we ever did was listen to somebody talk about uh, how we should do some stuff. And then I never really felt like anyone really said, here's how you do it. And here, let's try together. Let's, let's practice it together. And so we really believe in try uh, around here. And you're getting nervous because you have a piece of paper on your seats. I'm saying try and it looks like you're about to have a pop quiz. So there's no, <laughs> there's no quiz. Um, don't worry. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just think it's one thing for me to stand on the stage for 10 weeks and tell you who I think Jesus is. And I hope that's been good for you. Uh, but it is a whole other thing for you to discover that for yourself. 